Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, folks. You're all very welcome back to the Celtic Soul podcast, available on audio through all the platforms, and you can also find us on Celtic Fanzine TV, although some people do say we have faces for radio. Joined again this week for the ever-present on the show these days, Matt McGlone, editor of The Alternative View. Matt's been keeping us up to date with goings-on in Glasgow as we only get over now once a week because of no midweek games. But we will be back before the end of the season when we head to Dundee for the Dundee United game. Matt, you're very welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Obviously, you've been on the show. And we last week we spoke about Ross County and about the upcoming the Rangers game, and now the Rangers game has passed. Ma, how do you think we done? Well, I think the important thing was that we didn't lose the game. I think we all have really high expectations after we beat them three 0 at half time, you know, a couple of months ago. And then we beat them again at Ibrox, and then we. We actually drew the cup game in 90 minutes and lost it in extra time, obviously. So the expectations are high, or were high, that, um, that we were going to beat them quite easily on uh, Sunday. And, you know, I felt myself that we would beat them. Um, but we didn't. But the thing is, we didn't lose the game. And I think the important thing to remember here is that when Celtic have to win a really important game, um, if it's between them and us, then we did that at Ibrox. So had we lost that game, it would have been zero points. Um, it, it would have been even points, rather. Um, but the fact that we won it, we got a six-point gap, and we've maintained that six-point gap. I remember one of the Rangers players, some no-mark, I think it was Morris Ross or somebody, maybe manager of Cowden Beath, saying uh, Celtic are bumping their gums and they've only been top of the league for five minutes. Well, we've been top of the league for quite a while now. And we went to Ibrox and won a must-win game. The difference is that Rangers had to win at Celtic Park on Sunday. And they couldn't do it. 
So, no, I'm not too disappointed. Expectations, when they're high, always give you an unrealistic view of what the actual situation is. And I think we're all a bit guilty of that. But hey, we're six points ahead. There's nine to play for. Who's going to beat us now? And that huge goal difference as well. Absolutely. The goal difference um, is, is a point, obviously. Um, so, yeah, Saturday hearts, <clears throat> why not? Um, you know, they have to be lucky all the time. We don't. Um, so, as in Rangers. Uh, so, I think the pressure's obviously on them. Um, but I still say there's a job to be done. No, we really don't want to be thinking it's won yet because it's not. We've got to win it. And uh, Saturday, I think, you know, we can take a giant step towards that. Yeah, the build-up to the game was the usual, uh, you know, wall-to-wall coverage, newspapers, mainstream media, fan media. It was, like, so much to take. And, like, I just thought... I didn't feel nervous coming up to the game, but I have to say, Matt, I did not enjoy the game. I enjoyed our goal. I just was so tense throughout the whole the whole game. It was just like, with so much riding on it, so many players who have never won anything before in the Celtic team. You know, one, like to win a league, it's, it's over the course of a season, but like there's ups and downs. You know, a lot of mental strength needed in that. And I just, I was nervous, didn't enjoy the game and, I normally do enjoy the game, especially when we win. But just the whole experience Saturday, just I was maybe it's because of what happened last season, and I, I don't know. I just it just didn't seem like um, I just didn't get the enjoyment out of it until maybe it was over, and then there was there was the calm and the relief that we were still six points clear. Yeah, well. <laughs> I can't think I enjoyed the last 20 minutes. That's for sure. <laughs> my, fa- my father was sitting left and right on me saying, sure, are okay. This is some dangerous thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail right in the head there. You know, it, it takes great mental strength to get over the line. <clears throat> and we have to remember that, you know, these players have all been thrown together over the course of one season. I mean, that is pretty special. I'm quite sure that Ange is only 60% into his rebuild. I think we're seeing a team that is 60% the way he wants it. I think we'll add three or four uh, more, at least, in the summer um, to maybe bulk up a bit. And I think that's the difference when it comes to games like this at the end of the season. You know, they've had a team together three or four years now. And, uh, you know... They won it last year. So they think they'd have to have some kind of mentality to get over the line. We've got a lot of boys that, you know, have won leagues and have won things. And uh, when you put them all together in one season, the frailties of that plan uh, is going to show up at some point because they're not seasoned, hardened guys who have been down the line and know how to get over the line. Plus, there's a, the tiredness effect. You know, if you to take, you know, Matt O'Reilly, for example, comes from MK Dons, you know, a couple of weeks away, um, no huge expectations to expect him to come into Celtic and just be a Celtic player immediately is a tall order. A lot of players have to grow into into a club. They have to grow into the expectations and the, the fitness levels and everything else. 
So, you know, I always go back to the fact that these lads have just been thrown together for 12, no, less than 12 months, what, eight months, over two transfer windows. Hardly knew their teammates, a lot of them coming from Japan. I mean, they're talking about the, the many games that Rangers have played. They're Japanese boys. The three of them have more or less played most of the games. And uh, their, their season finished in, uh, in January. And they've played right through. So they're actually playing through their close season at the minute. So there, there's got to be give and take there as well. I just think that <clears throat> when the season's over, there'll be a huge sigh of relief from Ange to sort of say, wow, we've done it. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be winning two, two uh, trophies, the Championship trophy and uh, the League Cup already in the bag. And then he's got to say, well, we, we did that, you know, with a team just cobbled together. Next year, we're going to have strength and depth and games like Saturday will be a bit more reassuring for the health and mentality of you and I and hundreds of thousands of other Celtic fans. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned Matt O'Reilly there. We spoke last week about, you know, that position being up for grabs. And he did get, he got the nod ahead of Rogic this time. So there's still competition in that place. But I think, I think we've seen who Andrew's first choice striker is. He, you know, Kyogo got the nod. Um, and he, he walked his ass off as did, as did Maida. And Jota, who is coming into just a nice bit of farm at the moment. And he gets the opening goal. So, you know, you couldn't have any, there could be no arguments with the team selection. No, no arguments at all with the team selection. Pretty much thought that would be the team. It was a toss-up whether it was Tom Rogic or Matt O'Reilly, you're right. Um, and he went for Matt on this occasion. But in other occasions, they might go for Tom, you know, in, in a big game like that. I, I think he'll move that around. Um, the game does change when Gio Kamakis comes on. I mean, you saw it yourself. Balls played to him, holds the ball up well, brings other players into play. Kyogi's more of a direct player running onto a ball rather than taking a ball down in his chest, you know, moving it about his feet. And that kind of just taking it on your chest like that, you're back to the goal, brings other players into play. It changes the whole shape of the game. And I think we saw the shape change when uh, Big Geo came on. So, so we have two sort of styles and ways of playing, if you want, up front. But you know, I, th- I think the lads have done tremendously well. Um, no criticism anywhere with anybody because there's mitigating factors this season of how quickly this team was put together. And we all have to remember that. We all forget it. We all forget it. I forget it myself. But I think we need the cold light of day when we look at it. We went into the split, five games to play, um, six points ahead. Here we are sitting talking with three games to play, six points ahead. We would have taken that two or three weeks ago or taken it today. We're in a really good position. Celtic will finish the job. I have no doubts about it. Yeah, I think I think the changing the, the man up front gave us um it gave Hart an option that he didn't really have when he was under pressure. We were trying to still play it out from the back. They were pressing us because at the end of the day it was it was it was you know they had to win that game. They, you know, they win that game. It's down to three points, and then it's all. You no, know, the pressures, the pressures greater on Celtic. But but when you know when the substitutions come on, I thought you know there's another option. As you say, the big man holds the ball up. He, you know, in, in, in fairness, he he got pushed and kicked around the place, but he was able to back in there and hold the ball and. So yeah, definitely a different option for Joe Hart when we were under pressure, and then, you know, the final whistle comes, man, and 
it was it was like a win because you know the stadium wasn't full voice because everyone knew the importance of not not being beaten. Yeah, you can you can always tell the mood, you know, after a game. Um, walking down the Gallagher after the game on uh, Sunday with my son, um, I'm listening to the chitter chatter of fans as we're talking. Um, there's flag sellers out selling all their gear, and there was a, a slightly <laughs> wouldn't say subdued, but it wasn't dancing down the Gallagher. But people were pretty. Settled. I'd say they were settled. They were chatting about the game, and I was saying, oh, "Well, you know, we've got three games to to clinch this now." Um, but again, it's back to the unrealistic expectations. We're all very guilty of it, and that's the that's the problem in football. You know, when you start giving them a humping like we did at Celtic Park, you're expecting it all the time, um, and that's just isn't the natural way of things. It might be next season. It may be the season after. But this season, I think we've just got a team together and no more to get us over the line. And what an achievement that would be. Absolutely awesome achievement. You know, Rangers aren't a bad side. You know, we've, we've seen that. They're a very physical side. So we have got something to beat there. Um, but Ange, I think, I would love to be in the dressing room a couple of minutes before the team go. I'd love to hear that team talk. I would love to hear it. I think he would really have you riveted from head to foot thinking about what you can achieve at Celtic and how you can be a legend at the club by getting out there and winning and all the fans. So that still happens and it's three games to go and that will be happening from this Saturday honours continually. Yeah, uh, I I know the way everyone was... They were relieved. They were happy. They went they, like they went jumping down the road to the Gallagher, but they were certainly they were certainly going to enjoy a point. But Willie McStay made a good point to me after the game. Willie said, like he wasn't unhappy, but he said it's not very often you get the chance to win the league against them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's so maybe that's the regret, man. No, listen. <laughs> Now we're looking for cherries and icing on the cake. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Listen, Willie's bang on. Um, a great sale and a lovely person. Um, he's absolutely right. But I don't think this was the season for having icing and cherry on top of the cake. I think this was just a season for getting the sleeves up and getting the job done. And had we achieved it, won it against them then or last Saturday, Sunday, then that would have been great. But it's not a sprint. So we've got a wee bit to go and um, if you have a look at the bookies odds it would only be a man or a woman suffering from insanity who would put a penny on them. Well, you say it's not a season for cherries but hopefully it'll be a season for jelly and ice cream. <laughs> well, <laughs> just as well this podcast is done in the morning because I would have had my jelly and ice cream after my lunch. <laughs> like I've had quite a few times in the last few years <laughs> it's become quite a popular dessert in Glasgow all right <laughs> uh, but Matt like before we move on to the to speak about what's coming up um, we've a new uh, head of recruitment young young Lawwell a name well known at Celtic he's come in and just speaking very highly of him. some of the fans are saying our oh, jobs for the boys 
But I think he, he deserves a chance. He deserves time. And he, I, I believe that he was the man that brought Andrew's attention to the board because he's part yeah. of that, he was part of that city group and he's walked with Ange before. Yeah, my information is the same, that uh, he was part of the, uh, the group of people who, bought, who brought uh, Ange uh, to Celtic. Um, Ange was very much on Celtic's radar. You know, Eddie Howe had said no about one o'clock on the Friday and Ange was first mentioned at five o'clock the same day. So, you know, he just didn't pull him out of hat. The thing is, um, you know, I suppose we're all a wee bit guilty of, you know, thinking about people's names. We should be thinking about what they can bring to the party. Um, you know, I, this time last year, we didn't have a head of recruitment at all. We had, we had nothing like that. And the important thing for me is that Ange says he wanted this appointment. Now, how could you argue against that? You know, if uh, Mark Lobo is the guy that Ange wants, then that's the guy who should be at the club. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, we don't know how the workings go on in the background, but how difficult it is to buy a player or how difficult it must be to sell a player that, that doesn't want to go. You know, there's quite a few there that sit under contract and do nothing, contribute nothing to the club. In a business sense, the club has to move them. So we have to have a proper head of recruitment. We have to have somebody that's experienced He's been 10 years down south in the city group. He uh, has massive experience. He knows various markets throughout the world. Um, you know, some people don't like the name because of previous connections. Um, uh, but I think you have to give the guy a chance. Uh, and for me, looking at his CV and looking at the fact that Ange wants him, yeah, absolutely. And also... A few quid coming in from a previous transfer I'm told today that there's a two million payout now that Bournemouth have gone up. Have you heard well, anything about that? Yeah, well, I mean, these are all... I mean, I do see the chat all the time on social media and no, I haven't seen anything official from that, but yeah. I mean, two million pounds, just thinking about a jelly and ice cream that can buy. <laughs> you know, I mean... You and that, I, that's the good business when the player's been moved on. Yeah, well, that's the way it is nowadays. You, you move on somebody um, who has got great potential, particularly a young player, and uh, you know there's going to be more promise down the line from him. Like with uh, when Van, um, Van Dyke went to uh, with Southampton, Celtic had a, a carry-on clause there when they sold him to Liverpool. Um, and look at, what is he worth now? I mean, I think they paid £80 million for him. I think we gave it 12 or 13 plus whatever we got in the in the, the pass-on when he got transferred. So, yeah, clubs are wise to the fact that, you know, they're selling quite cheap. And if somebody does pretty well, then they're due a bit more. Because, just like this, Bournemouth are going to get a lot more than they paid for him. So it's, you know, it's a reciprocal arrangement that uh, we're giving you a good talent and if he, if he prospers and blossoms, or in this case he's been promoted, then uh, there's, a, there's a wee kick on. Great. You know, I think most clubs do that now. Yeah, and I know he came in for a lot of stick before he left, um, you know, not wanting to be at the club and that, but I see he turned up for, uh, I think it was the... Maybe in the midweek game, he, he turned up with the Salic Supporters Club in Bournemouth. Ryan Christie did for uh, one of the recent games against 
our noisy neighbours. So uh, he still he still obviously has a, has a bit of a, a bit of an interest in the club and a bit of a passion. But I suppose if you play for Celtic, it never leaves you. Can you hear me, man? No, you just went there. Uh, no, I was just saying about Ryan Christie. He was with the he was with the Bournemouth Celtic Supporters Club yeah, for one of the yeah. recent um, yeah, games against. Christen, yeah, yeah, it sort of should be there. Why not? I mean, uh, his father played for Celtic. I'm pretty sure the lad is a Celtic fan. You know, Ryan. Uh, I, I, I don't have any problem with players leaving Celtic um, because Ange takes the point of view that he's only interested in developing and helping players that want to be there. So I would, you know, I would put say Ryan into what you would call a career footballer, um, a bit like um, like Stuart Armstrong was, you know, um, want to make as much money from the game and maybe want to play in a better league. I would say at a higher level because Celtic is a higher level, and in Europe that's a higher level, and you're unlikely to get uh, European football at Bournemouth or, or Southampton, um, although it's possible but unlikely. So it is a better league and, and there's more money there. So I would pass them as a career footballers rather than guys that are just dying to play for Celtic. But, um, yeah, it's good that he turned up and uh, I'm sure he enjoyed himself. You know, I think, you know, when you leave Celtic, they never actually leave you, to be honest with you. I think even players that, that come in from abroad that don't know Celtic, you know, I think that every night they go to their bed or they think about their careers, Celtic will never be far from their thoughts because to be at our club is, is a fantastic experience. You know, I saw Stan Collimore talking yesterday saying Celtic's not a football club. It's a way of life, it's a way of thinking, it's a way you are as a person. And, you know, I think that's absolutely bang on. And I'm sure that when you come to the club, if not a Celtic fan, I'm not talking about Ryan Christie because he was, but if you come to the club not as, not as a Celtic fan, you're going to feel the emotion and the feeling of what this club's all about. It's not just about winning. It's about how we win and it's about how we think and how we feel and about how we enjoy ourselves. So if you get a chance to play for Celtic, I'm pretty sure it never leaves you. Never. Yeah, and it's funny you say Stan Collymore because we, we had John Terry at the game with a Celtic scarf on upsetting, upsetting the Rangers boys um, and girls because he he was pinning his colours to Celtic, which I I didn't know Terry had an interest in us. But I bumped into um, Trevor Sinclair in the Ado Hotel. He was having a point of stout before he went up. I think he was doing an interview with Celtic TV. Only his second game. And uh, yeah, he loves it. He, 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 was, he spoke so highly of Celtic. And then uh, Kieran Clark, the Newcastle player, he was he was also there, and he was he. You know, I've seen him a few times up in Glasgow watching the Celts. You know, so yeah, we seem to be attracting a lot of interest from from players from other clubs as well. Because uh, as you say, like it is a special club, and it is more than just a football club. Well, I'm sure all these guys that you are talking about that have been dying to play for Celtic. You know, John Terry was up during the playing, and it was a John Kennedy's testimonial. I think it was, if it wasn't that, it was maybe again for, for Stan Petrov. But he was not playing for Celtic then. I don't know what team supports. To be honest with you, things like that, players come up for England, standing in the stand with a, a scarf around their neck, you know, sort of sitting on them like a shawl, not tied up. <laughs> I just say, fair enough, whatever. You know, if you love us and you like it, that's great. It doesn't alter my day, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
I suppose it's all about the players on the pitch, but like uh, I, I love it when I see the uh, effect it has on people. It just really does upset opposing fans. <laughs> Aye. Well, well, that's all. That's, for me, that's all a side show, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's a side show. And yeah, it's all about fun, isn't it? Aye. Was, talking about division fans, there was a few seats broken and a, and a bit of a bit of handbags at ten paces uh, after the game. I, I was told by a steward that there was a couple of stewards injured as well. Um, so, like seven hundred in the ground, seven of hundred of us go to Oibrox. You know, the debate will start again now. Is it worth letting them in? Is it worth us taking the tickets? You know. Well, you know, I'm sure you do this yourself. The day after the game. You catch up with a couple of pals and you have a post-mortem about everything that's went on. And, and that was one of the things that we discussed. I've got two ways of looking at this. You know, you could easily say that going on previous behaviour of toilets being smashed and sinks and stuff pulled off the wall and ceilings being pulled down, which is absolutely disgusting base behaviour from any human being. Uh, and now, you know, there's a sort of video of seats flying into Celtic fans and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I find that all pretty depressing. What, what I would say on that point is, look, let's forget it. We have better fun when you're not here. And if we don't go to your place, then we're not putting our fans at risk either. Now, that's one way of looking at it. But I also take on a bigger picture than just my opinion. The bigger picture, I think Ange quite liked and it helped the team beat Rangers in the last game 2-1 when they ran out and they saw some friendly faces. I think psychologically, particularly for a young team coming out and having a focal point to run over to, to where the Celtic fans were, gives you something. It must give you some kind of encouragement, a boost, that not every single person in that stadium hates your guts. You know, it must be that area there is is a beam of positivity. There's a light, there's a light in all this darkness, and it's right in that bit there, 700 Celtic fans. So, you know, I can understand why Ange might want that, and I'm sure Ange would be party to some of the discussions as to whether we take or give tickets. Um you know, what, what I find, and I've found this for years, Celtic are sometimes a wee bit slow on the attack. You know, I don't even think I was home after the game and I see that Rangers had put out another statement, statement FC, another statement saying that they're disappointed that their fans are subjected to blah, 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 and that um, they're disappointed in the police's response, blah, blah, blah. And my first thought is... Um, hang on a second. When we were at your place a few weeks ago, when our backroom team had his head split open, Celtic didn't put a statement out. We couldn't start the second half because glass was thrown onto the pitch, all from the home support, their support. And we said next to nothing. When Andrew was asked in press conference, they brushed it off and just wanted to talk about football. Celtic didn't put a statement out there. And then now we have... Who knows who started it, but from the video I saw, <laughs> it, it didn't seem to be coming from our end. I'm not saying I saw the entire video, but it certainly didn't look like Rangers fans were victims here. I've got to tell you that. Um, 
So with all that going on, you know, I find the whole thing pretty depressing. But I think from now on, any incidents at Ibrooks that we we unfortunately suffer, Celtic have to come out after the game and say it. Because it's not a nice feeling seeing them put statement after statement out when we're being diplomatic when it's the other way around. Yeah, you say you say it's depressing. I suppose it is depressing, but yeah, we should have Sadik should have got the statement out after Hoybrox because they got one out on Sat on Sat was on Sunday, and uh, yeah, a couple of had, a yeah. couple of weeks too late, Matt. Yeah, they had one out immediately after it, and the reason for that was because Rangers had put out a statement there. Now, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, you shut the stable door and the horse is bolted here. Um, but you did have to answer what they had put up because I, I don't know if anybody's seen a video of where all this started. Um, but if Rangers are turned around and blaming Celtic fans, I'd say, well, let, let's see the video evidence. By the way, there's a huge invoice coming to you for the damage done to Celtic Park, let me tell you that. Over 100 seats apparently broken, damage all over the place. Um, no, when we take in the money for that they have paid Celtic for their fans, you get a wee deduction there. Well, it won't be a wee deduction. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's all pretty poor that uh, all that goes on. Um, you know, uh, I go out again to enjoy it. <laughs> Last thing in my mind is want to destroy a seat or anything, even if I was in their place. I'm not interested in that. I want you to act like a decent human being, go enjoy the football and watch to see them getting beat. Yeah, here, here, man. And and anyway, like the, the security and the police point at the stadium is overlooking the away fans anyway. So I'm sure there's plenty of footage. The club have plenty of footage. You don't have to rely even on mobile phones because it'll all be recorded there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a huge looks like a big police box up behind the away fans. There is. They're, looking, in down, they're looking down directly on it. Now, yeah. I've seen police. Hold these handheld cameras at away games at Rugby Park and various other places. Uh, I'm pretty sure there must be a fixed camera on that area yeah. for 90 minutes. There must be. And if the job was down to you and I, and we still had our, our work to go to today, we could spend two hours going through it. And before we go to our work, we would find out what the answer was there. We'd look through it for two hours and say, okay, that's where it started from. This is not rocket science. You know, yeah. it's easy to easy to see what happened here. But will it ever be published? Or do I have to put up with all this rubbish talk? Yesterday, we didn't even mention the paper, but it comes out and it says, Wags had to flee in terror as missiles rained down on them. I mean, seriously? What wags is that? We were talking about Rangers wags. You know, yeah, they- the, 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 this, there's no even hand reporting on this. But there is, Matt, there is some technology above in that box. I lost my wallet I, 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 years ago, Bo Vista. Um, and some people will say I haven't found my wallet yet, but I did. You, you must have been in some pain that day. I'm telling I lost you. It, I lost it, the home leg against Bo Vista, semi finals in the UEFA Cup, and the short brought me up there, and I, I, was, I had a had a butchers around and, and to see what it was like. But there is, there's, there's, and I'm sure there's even more technology now in it. So I think if, I think if, you know, the footage is there, like that, if just someone not banned from breaking seats, like there's something wrong because you can, you, you, 
it's not as if you even have to rely on cameras. The police that's in that out and the head of security, they can see it in front of them. So, but look, it's it's a debate that will rage on, I suppose, about tickets for there. And if if for my, I suppose, for my opinion on it is, I wish we had, I wish we had the whole Broomlow end again, and I wish they had half of the stadium because there wasn't as much fucking trouble when they had half. Apart from the the, the year they wrecked the Jacks. Well, you see, there's always going to be trouble when you have a smaller section of a grounds, and it's not really proper segregation at either club, you know. And if they had the whole end, there'd be a bit proper segregation. If we had the whole Broomland, then there's an enclosed separation there that we have, you know. With the 700, we've got them either side and above to the left and above to the right. Yeah. Maybe not directly above, but to above to the left and right, there's there. And all this nonsense that we get in two hours before the game and standing about for two hours and then, I don't know what it is afterwards, 45 minutes afterwards, an hour afterwards. You know, so there has to be a better way to do this. But it has to be noted that Celtic didn't start this carry-on. Um, and people say, well, why should we retaliate? It's not a case of retaliating. It's a case of, well, if that's the way you want to play the game, then we'll you know, just go along with that. You know, we're hardly going to give you 7,000 if you give us 700. Yeah, of course. Now, Matt, we have, uh, we move on. No midweek game again this week, which is good because Angel have the boys on the training ground. And Hearts this week, a team that have secured their third place, have secured the European spot and they're in a cup final. So here's hoping that they've won eye on that cup final when they come to Celtic Park. Well, you know, in the cases I've seen uh, Hearts at Celtic Park this year already in the League Cup and in, um, and in the league, you know, we played them off the park twice, you know, when they were going for everything. So, you know, I, I never look upon the fact that, you know, there's a job done and, you know, you just have to look at their their dugout and see the, the guy in there who's getting no time for Celtic at all. Um, uh, I, I don't think you'll see anything different from Hearts and the fact that they'll be trying and going for every single challenge on uh, Saturday. And uh, it'll be a tough game. We have to remain utterly, completely focused to get this job done. Um the worst thing in football or in life in general is thinking you've done something when you haven't actually achieved it. Um, so that is our only um, sort of fear, in my opinion, at the minute. That um, you know, I'm pretty sure Ange won't allow that anyway. I'm pretty sure Ange will be dropping it into them. That as far as the league's concerned, nothing has been won here yet. You've got it all to do. You have it all to do. Get out on Saturday with 100% focus to win this game. Nothing will ever be handed to us anywhere, particularly in Scottish football. So whatever Hearts um, opinions are or the way they're going to approach this game, that's up to them. But the two times that we've played them this season at Celtic Park, you know, I think we've comprehensively played them off the park and missed a bad load of chances. And may I just say, the Sports Writers Player of the Year award was given out today and Craig Gordon got the award. Um you know, when you look at you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers was up there. Um, Callum McGregor was up there. I have to say, 
I find that quite a... He's had a good season, Craig Gordon, no doubt about it. But not very often does a goalkeeper get it. Not involved in the game that much um, compared to an outfield player who's running for a whole 90 minutes. And I just found it a bit odd that in such a great season for Celtic, sports writers couldn't find it in themselves to give it to an outfield player. And I think that uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, you know, and um, Callum McGregor, it's a toss-up between them. But I think, you know, that kind of thing tells me something. Yeah, and there there was a lot of moaning about um, when Callum did get Scottish Player of the Year. Uh, at the weekend I've seen a lot of stuff on social media but then again that just breezes over that's just bitterness you know I think anyone that's been looking at Callum all season in my opinion anyway he's been the best he's been their best player Cardiff Vickers had a really good season and really impressed us but I think Callum with with the pressure that was on him this year coming in replacing an iconic captain like Scott Brown and coming in and the performance he's put in and, and the leader's role he's played you know, on and off the park, with like basically a new team. And I was speaking to Simon Donnelly on the podcast last Thursday or Friday, and he was saying that, like we were, we were speaking about, you know, they lost Paul McStay, Tommy Boyd came in, you know, they'd lost an iconic manager as well. So there was a lot of comparisons between that you can draw between the '98 team, the '97, '98 team to stop the ten, and, and the current team. And it's just it's funny when you say it now. The run in, there's nothing won. And it went to the last day of the season that time, even though there was there was chances to win it before. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm taking nothing for granted, and I'm hoping for three points on Saturday, and then Rangers play the following day, is it? Dundee United Ibrox. So, um, yeah, let's hope we 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 let's hope that's it's done and dusted on um, Saturday. Bad, bad. Uh, um, you know, with the goal difference, that that'll be us. You know, it won't be done and dusted, but it'll be it'll be just almost over the line, won't it? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, nineteen goal advantage, two games to play, and being even in points. Um, I don't think there's ever been a collapse in any football league in the world, which has happened under those circumstances. <laughs> you know, being so far ahead. Um, you know, I always have the opinion, and I've seen it before. You've seen it when we came back from Seville, we went to every part, and it was a case of how many did the Rangers have to score against Dunfermline. And, uh, you know, they got what they wanted. Um, I don't think if they went into the last game of the season, like needing 15 goals, they'd get them, but. <laughs> <laughs> But you never I'm sure know. All, I'm, sure, I'm sure the opposition may be looking the other way at some of the challenges going on anyway. They might be looking at who the referee is as well. <laughs> just get one of the Rangers backroom, backroom staff to do it. Matt, I just want to rewind on something you said earlier on about play, when we were speaking about players leaving and, and the few quid we got off them, especially Virgil van Dijk, and he's going on to be you know, probably the best centre-half in the world in probably the, the one of the best, if not the best team in Europe at the moment. Um, will you think back now on, on all the teams you watched, a player that, when, when a player leaves, uh, you know, which player left them, you know, you were good? Um, well... Yeah, I, I, I really loved uh, Davy Hay because Davy Hay to me 
epitomised everything. Dave Hayes originally a fullback, became a midfield player. Um, he epitomised everything to me um, of a guy in the midfield area. Um, he he was a great tackler. He was solid. Players, opposition players knew knew what you were up against. He was a guy you could always depend on. I like players you can always depend on. So did, I was gutted when David Hay left. I was quite young at the time, but really gutted. And when Kenny left as well, when Kenny went to Liverpool, I suppose having seen a few go before him, it was an inevitability that Kenny was going to go to a better league. And, uh, you know, he's went on to become an absolute legend. You know, at Liverpool, he's loved and adored there. Um, you know, and I always think back, I mean, I knew that Larson was going to go, I mean, he'd said like, almost a year in advance that he was going to go and, and end his contract. And, you know, the lure of Barcelona late on in your career is, is obviously something, you know, and the guy who gave us absolutely great service. Um, but, you know, I suppose, yeah, Danny Hay and Kenny. Two good ones. I, uh, they, they were they, they were just really great players, you know, and uh, you know for, for different reasons. Kenny was a very creative player. Davey was a you know as a player who muscled up in the midfield, and I've got to know Davey pretty well over the years. And you know, <laughs> off the park, you won't you won't be a quieter guy. You won't be a quieter guy off the park, but on the park, he was completely different. And uh, you know, nerves are steel, and uh, I, I, I just found a for me a typical great midfielder. Yeah, and David Paddle says when Kenny Douglas left the club, he knew then that the ambition to win another European Cup was gone because the board, he said, had, had no ambition when they re- released a player like that. You know, so that's um, and David knows he knows the stuff about. The history of the club. Well, so yeah, I, I always remember David yeah. saying that to me. Yeah, hey, hey, and Douglas, um, and I suppose in the the last one to kind of leave, where there was a bit of uh, a bit of disappointment, was Kieran Tierney. But Kieran went for you know life changing money, I'd imagine. Well, I was told a story by somebody who would know um, that Kieran Tierney didn't actually want to leave Celtic initially. Um, now, obviously, this is a moving situation, you know, the initial approach and then what happens, you know, Celtic looking at the money, etc. And I heard that he was in tears when he was actually told that Celtic wanted the transfer fee, 25 million. And there was an opinion held within Celtic Park that uh, getting 25 million for a fullback who had been injured a fair bit for the two or three previous seasons was a good move. Uh, and from what I'm told, uh, and I would say it's from very good authority, who would know, um, they told me that Kim was in tears uh, when he was soft, given the news that it looked like, you know, this might not be your decision. This might be a club's decision to sell you. So there's a lot of things the fans don't know. We all think, oh, he's just left for more money. You know, but there's, there's, a, there's heartbreaking pain in there when somebody has to make a decision like that. Or if the decision's made for you. If the decision's made for you, you know, 
you know, I have to say, you know, if you or I were good enough to be footballers and were playing for Celtic, it would be fantastic. But if somebody came along to me and said, that's me, can get really good money for you? don't actually want you here. We'd rather have the money. How could you feel wanted? You know, when somebody says, you're really, really good, but we want the cash first. You you have to put yourself in the position of the player there. And I think, you know, that's probably happened down the line, you know, for quite a long time in in Celtic's history. Get back to the point you made there about uh, David Potter. Yeah, it's a good point. I've often thought about this. You know, why did we not capitalise from 1967 onwards? You know, we're in the final again three years later. You know, we beat the best team we were told in Britain for loads and loads of years, Leeds United in the semi-final. Why did we not really capitalise after that? Well, I think it it was round about at that point. Celtic just sort of said, you know, know, we're not going to really compete to become a real major club. Because I think at that point, it was pretty even-steven as far as how much finance was going around. You know, there wasn't as big gates in England uh, as there was in Scotland. We had huge gates. And uh, there wasn't TV money coming into the game at the time. So it was all pretty much even playing field. And it was the same in Europe. If you look at Ajax, you know, Ajax went down the line of always breeding younger players to try and win major trophies and then to sell on. We, I think, just became a club that if we got a decent price for a player, the old board would take it. You have to look at how much money has disappeared during those times when we had gates 60,000, 70,000 at Celtic Park in umpteen cup finals. Fantastic crowds at home in Europe. Why didn't we capitalise? It wasn't because there wasn't any money there. You know, there was a lot of money. There was, a lot, there was more money coming into Celtic at that time, over that period, than there would be coming into a lot of clubs in England. And a lot of them capitalised, but we didn't. Celtic, I'm afraid, became a prosperous for other people, rather than for the what the good of the club would was to get. Yeah, interesting, Matt, to hear you saying that. Um, because obviously, you said you were a young man back then, and uh, I was I was baby. When when this when this stuff was happening, but yeah, it just and maybe David does have a point because you've kind of just embellished on it as well. And um, I'm I'm glad I asked the question because it's 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 one that always comes up when players move on. Um, so listen, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure as always to chat to you, um, especially early in the morning. We've recorded this early in the morning, so we're fresh. Although I'm still a bit tired after the weekend, to tell you the truth, it just takes it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have tried to, <laughs> I've tried to over the years to sort myself out, you know, um, when it comes to Celtic Rangers games. And there's no other game, even huge games in Europe, that get you so into a metamorphosis state in mind and in body. Uh, and I said to my son after the game, it takes you about two or three hours to come down and just sort of feel settled and your stomach's okay and you're normal. I'm fine before the game and the run up to the games. I just always look at it that what they got, what have we got, there's nothing I can do to change that in between. 
But when you go through 90 minutes, <laughs> particularly this 25 minutes of the second half, it's nice to invite you. You know, um, yeah, it, it takes a while to come down. And it's what, you know, if you ever went to a doctor and says, can you give me a tablet for this? He'd say, well, what's wrong with you? You say, well, I don't really know. Something happens to me. I don't know what happens to me. Um, so there is no tablet for you. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it grips your entire body and your mind, and it uh, makes you feel really different. And uh, you know, I have questions myself through the years of how I maybe change as a person during ninety minutes. And so, so I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't like myself. Um, just because of the effect it can have on you, which is telling you that you're actually out of control. You're, you're not in control of your own feelings if, if you're if you're if you're not liking the way that you are during this game. Uh, but I've, I've certainly managed that a lot better in recent years than I was when I was younger. I well, I I hope the next time I attend a game between both teams that. We get a couple of early goals so we can relax <laughs> like we did with the midweek game because I uh, just, no, it just, just it, it was one of the worst, <laughs> you know, because just was so much riding, as I said earlier on. But anyway, folks, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to buy the alternative view and more than 90 minutes fanzines. Two old codgers still putting out fanzines. Uh, you can also visit um, the website, staticfanzine.com, where you'll get news merchandise the podcast and we put out on YouTube and that as well so folks hit the subscribe and follow button please and we thank you for listening Matt thank you so much here we go up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com